Welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sammy Roberts. I'm joined today by Phil Savage and Andy Kelly. We're just here to talk about PC games, and there's actually quite a lot of them this week. So I'll jump straight in with Mass Effect Andromeda, the long-awaited, well, I don't want to call it a fourth entry, but kind of like a soft reset for the series, out five years after the last one on uh, March the 21st. Yes, that's right. Um, and and Andy- the 23rd in the EU. Oh, okay. 21st oh, America. Do, do we Pull still count up. as part of the EU? I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, lol, political jokes. Anyway, sorry. It's it's, uh, it's late on on the Thursday, and me and Phil have done about, I think, 12 consecutive days of work at this point. Yeah, thank, so, thanks to the PC Gamer Weekender. <laughs> it was good, but we're tired now. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into Mass Effect then, Andy. You've played yeah. like the, the first hour of it, is that right? I played the first hour, and I've also, they sort of jumped me forward to like 15 hours in the game, and I played like an hour of that as well. So, right. Oh, yeah, I wonder why we had like an hour on the website and IGN had three hours and I was like hang on he definitely yeah. made the same well, thing well it's because I only wrote about the first hour that I didn't want to confuse things by going we played three hours of Mass Effect but here's me writing about one hour because, that makes sense because uh, Wes on the website wrote about the rest of it so we sort of divvied it up yeah. Okay. I cool. Cleared that up for you. I don't think the readers, <laughs> the listeners, particularly give a damn about that. The readers but... got nothing so far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, so yeah, Mass so Effect yeah. Andromeda is. It's been five years since Mass Effect three. It's set six hundred years after Mass Effect three. Um, sometime between two and three, um, humanity basically sent this massive mile-long arc ship called the Hyperion um, to the Andromeda Galaxy because at that point. There was a whole sort of <clears throat> the whole Reaper thing. It was like maybe the Milky Way's not the best place to be hanging out with this cycle of endless destruction at the hands of space squids. It, it's like how towards the end of last year everyone was going, "Oh, we need to move to Canada." Yeah, yeah. It's, or it's like in Red Alert if um, the Soviets are invading your base, you're like, "Well, I'll get a mobile constructive vehicle on the other side of the it map so like, I can start again." It's like both of those things in v- to varying degrees. <laughs> Excellent. And, <laughs> well, that's the analogy so, side. Forward. So you wake up. You you are a rider. You are either. Scott Ryder as Sarah Ryder. You're one of the 20,000 humans on this arc ship. The other races have sent arc ships as well. Um, the, I think so far they've revealed that the Turians and the Salarians have sent arc ships. Presuming the Krogan would have as well and all the and other it, ones. The Elkor. Is there an Asari companion? Which oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, there's an Asari doctor on board the human arc oh, ship, okay. think, um, who's voiced by Natalie Dormer okay. off of the Game of Thrones. I think it might have been confirmed that it's Asari, Salarians, and who were the other one you said then? Uh, Turians. Turians, yeah. I'm, pr- I'm pretty. I think that might be it actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of. If the if the Elcor have sent an arc ship, then they're not going to have a great time trying to colonize a hostile <laughs> galaxy. I mean, the giant ele- elephants suited only to v- planets with very low gravity. <laughs> or what's the other one? What are the other the comedy Mass Effect alien race? There's well, the jellyfish dudes, isn't there? Yeah, what are they called? The oh, uh, I don't, Hannah, yes. Yeah. This I mean, one speaks in a weird way. Yeah, no one invited them because they thought, fuck it, we can start life <laughs> yeah. again without these, so, <laughs> these bastards. You were very yeah. ancillary to the galaxy story up to now. You weren't even in the third one. You weren't even a party member. Sorry, so what, okay. what's quite cool is that you don't know where the other arc ships are, so you lose contact with them. And uh, later on, I found one of them and it factored into a mission, but I'll just I'll leave that for people to discover. Um, so you arrive at this planet called Habitat 7 that 600 years earlier... Humanity scouted out and went. That's our new home. Now this all this is where the story, the concept falls apart for me, 
is, <laughs> is that they would just turn up 600 years later yeah. to this planet. They, they don't know. What if they get there and the whole planet is just like covered in an, an existing civilization? They go, oh, sorry, we'll find another one. Like putting all their hopes on this, they call it the golden world. Or like this is the one. You'd have a backup plan. Wouldn't you? Yeah, it's just kind of. You see just Interstellar, a bit, you'd have maybe, a backup. Yeah, plan. Maybe there's like a Habitat Eight that's all. Yeah, well, no, that, that's the one. Every every race has picked one planet. Okay. Um, but basically, they they scouted out, and it was perfect for climate and. Uh, oxygen levels and everything, gravity. It was mm. as close a to Earth. A burger was there. It's <laughs> <laughs> close as close to Earth as they could find, minus franchised burger outlets, <laughs> which I'm sure they would have brought with them. Um, and they'll have provisions. For that. <laughs> yeah. But they get that, and it's the the gone orbit of it, and it's an absolute shittle. It's like when you land on a planet in No Man's Sky, and it's like a weird, like toxic desert. You're like, oh. That's how I feel when I land on every planet in the sky. <laughs> yeah, actually, that that it's not as bad as that. Um, so you get there and it's like there's electrical storms raging and the, everyone's basically like, "Well, this is a great hope, you know." And there's no turning back, so they're like, "Right, we better check out anyway." Um, surrounding the planet, there's a weird swirling tendrils of dark energy um, cool. that catch the uh, the ship and basically hold it in place. Um, and that's kind of cool. Well, like yeah. Cthulhu shit. Yeah, it's really weird. It, 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 it looks like sort of vines, like poison ivy's vines, but apparently it's some sort of dark energy, according to the, the ship science officer or whatever. Um, it's ma- you know, it's Star it's definitely Trek. not magic. It's science. Yeah, Star Trek <laughs> stuff. Um, so you ba- so you take a shuttle down to the planet and uh, you know check it out, and that's when the game starts. Really, you get to wander around the arc for a bit after you wake up, talk to the other people who have just woken up, and talk to the doctor, who is yeah again voiced by Natalie Dormer. Um, I, I was playing it and I was like who's that voice and I thought the acting was really good and I was like that must be that was better than the usual video game for her I was like I think that's someone famous and well, it's, she, it's she her. modelled on her like, nah I don't think so she just she all the Asari look the same is that racist <laughs> <laughs> well we have the title of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, so but once you've done that you your dad is on the ship as well the father of um, and what's interesting is that if you pick Scott or Sarah Ryder, the other one will still exist. So if you pick, you know, female shepherd, male shepherd does not exist in the world anymore. Whereas if you pick female rider, the male rider will exist. But um, his like cryopod gets smashed or something, and he can't wake up yet. So I think they'll wake up later. Mm. Um, but that's how it explains away. Um, so you go down to the planet with your dad, who's voiced by Clancy Brown, who's. Um, the bad warden in Shawshank Redemption. He's got a brilliant voice, mm. and he's your dad, and he's the the pathfinder. You know, he takes you down the planet to see if the place is any good. It's not. It sucks. <laughs> it's this big. It looks kind of like Earth, but there's big floating rocks in the air, like with arcs of electricity dancing around them, as if they've been sort of pulled out of the ground. Um, you you walk you walk through a sort of series of swampy swamps and valleys and canyons and stuff, and it's all you're dodging lightning bolts and bits of rock being pulled out of the ground as you banter with your teammates whose names I've forgotten. Liam someone and woman with uh, with half shaven oh, head. Liam and woman, the famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liam someone and woman with half shaven head. Definitely going to be the um, Italian Garrus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wasn't that impressed with that. I thought they were quite bland, but that's the thing, I, I haven't got to know them yet. I mean, I even, I even found Caden interesting eventually. <laughs> so <laughs> there's this there's potential for them. Um, so yeah, you get, you get to the, the planet and it's kind of shitty. Um, you get separated from your squad, so your first thing is regrouping with your dad, and then uh, you make first the the moment where you make first contact with another species, which is like, man, that's like what you dream of in sci-fi of, of that first encounter with another intelligent species. And the I wrote, cats, is it? yeah, the cats. I wrote about this on the website, and basically you shoot them. <laughs> 
Like, it's really disappointing. Like, they could have had such an amazing, like, stirring, evocative sci-fi moment where you encounter this uh, unknowable, weird alien race and you speak to them and you try and communicate. You know, something, like, cool, like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind or something like that. A real, like, stirring moment. But no, it's like two monsters uh, with bone armor organic bone armor who've got rifles that look sort of like rifles you see in the Milky Way because I guess just rifle design is just con- a universal constant mm. and then the um, there's two of them and you crouch behind a wall and you shoot them with a pistol and that's it that's your first encounter with an alien species in, in the Andromeda Galaxy the first mark humanity makes on this new world is to shoot two people okay. um, who, who admittedly would have shot back and had it coming but it's still a bit like is that the best they could do like that, that could have been a felt like a squandered moment so i came away quite disappointed from that Uh, even in like um star trek into darkness which a movie i like i know a lot of people hate that particularly die die hard fans like the moment where they meet the um klingons yeah it's like genuinely i mean it's not a first encounter but they are there is a sense of distance and it's a very chilly yeah kind of negotiation and then you know followed by a standoff that seems ripe for mass effects dialogue system you know to have Mm. like a bit of you know you have to do a bit of on the fly diplomacy with like someone who you don't mm. even who you don't even have a, a vague understanding of, but no, you just shoot some monsters. Mm. And I think they might down the line like give the cats some culture and backstory that makes them a bit more interesting. But to my mind, they're just like the collectors, you know, just monsters to be killed. Yeah, who are probably or like the vulture. Just I mean, actually, well, some of the the for want of a better word, they humanize some of the vulture. Mm. Um, they're all sort of down and out yeah, and yeah. um and the. Uh, Ami- what was the what's the damn city called? Amiga. Yeah. An Amiga. Amiga. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That, so even even those yeah. they were like oh. cartoon monsters with big sharp teeth, and even they had a bit of backstory that made them semi interesting. So I don't know how what they do with the cat is, but yeah. So and after that, um, it's just it, it is a classic Mass Effect tunnel of combat encounters. You know, mm. as you team up, regroup with your dad, and fight through loads loads of cat using. Um, you know, they'd pre-made the character, so it was... I had pool, I think, which was always my favourite, where you can sort of just yank them out of cover and then shoot them with your assault rifle. It just felt really Mass effect It was a bit... It was a bit more... It felt better, markedly a bit better than the other games yeah. in a way I can't quite describe. They were never really that competent as shooters. <clears throat> no. They were just okay. Yeah. yeah. And this isn't much better than just okay, but um, it just feels a bit less clunky. And you know, I want I want to see what happens next because spoilers. But basically, that's the setup. You know, you land on this shitty planet, and that's your home. And I think from that point, the idea is that all the species are going to get together and build a thing called the Nexus, which is basically the new citadel. So they're going to build, you know, their own home uh, in a big space station. And I think that's going to be one of the social hubs in the game. Mm. Um, so yeah, like, I've instead of visiting that. the citadel, yeah, you'll visit the Nexus, which I, I like the sound of. Um, quickly talk about some of the other stuff I saw beyond that first hour. Um, I did a bit of exploring in the Nomad, which feels nice to drive. You can flick between um, regular and off-road. So if you come across like a really uh, rocky, steep slope, you won't be able to drive up it in normal mode. So you flick to off-road mode, which is slower, but you can sort of like basically stick to the ground and get over rough terrain. Um, yeah, just 
I, I sort of liked how Mass Effect was. There's a bit of freedom, but it was guided. Like each mm. planet you land on in Mass Effect is just a level, you know, like a series of corridors and mm. open areas. And it's a guided story. I think that's suited Mass Effect because it made it really dramatic. You know, you landed on Horizon and you went through that level and it was just a guided thing, told a story in a very specific way. Whereas this, I just felt a bit aimless. Like I'm, I'm just on this massive planet. There's like, there's missions dotted around. And, you know, I felt like I was just going to be driving around there for a while collecting icons on a map sort of thing like I don't I, I preferred the more guided thing but the whole point of the game is to make it more open so mm. obviously I'm asking for the exact opposite of the game they're building but still I think that that made for a more uh, it suited the style of game better I think than all this open world stuff um, I explored a, another city as well um, which was kind of like a Mos Eisley a little bit Mos Eisley-esque sort of um, hangout for scumbags and mercenaries and villains and it was a bar and oh, the um, one they showed off a few few weeks ago yeah remember it was cold but yeah that, that was quite cool um i did a quest that mission there and met some new species and yeah i mean it, it felt quite mass affected but yeah i didn't come away as a massive mass effect fan that's difficult to say a massive mass effect fan um i came away a bit deflated and i i was not expecting to come away from my first time playing the game feeling like oh yeah not absolutely pumped with excitement so yeah you yeah. did on monday <clears throat> when we talked to you about it you did sound quite nonplussed like i don't know that you just wasn't it wasn't quite doing something for you i yeah. don't know what it was maybe it, you didn't sound too bothered by the companions or the story yeah it didn't i mean that the and everything leading up to meeting the cat for the first time i thought was really well done there's a great scene where you re, in real time and the shuttle go from orbit to the surface of Habitat Seven, and it's like a you know a really dramatic. You're looking at the window, basically, and you're seeing all this those big tendrils of space matter, and like the you see the arc ship and get a sense of the scale of it. Um, but then you know once you meet the cat, and it, it's like you pin yourself behind rocks, and enemies come at you. And there's a big there's a moment that's supposed to have a, a like massive emotional resonance, but didn't bother me at all because I I hadn't been there long enough it was that Dishonored thing you know the first Dishonored where it's like within 10 minutes you know the Empress dies mm. and, and and you're like I can't on a, on a fundamental level I'm like oh yeah that's bad but I don't really know her or know Corvo enough to really for it to hit me really hard so yeah, yeah. you're kind of like uh, <clears throat> yeah you just see so there's, there's an inherent coldness to that yeah it know? needs more setup yeah. you need more time to like I would have liked more time as Ryder to like reflect on this massive journey we've just taken. None of them seem bothered. Like, right, let's get in the shuttle and go and do a mission. Like, no one's like, we've just travelled however many light years. We're in a completely different galaxy. There's no one sense of wonder. Yeah, and that could be because they're all by this point humanity's already a spacefaring species. You know, they've been all around yeah. the Milky Way. Maybe going to another galaxy isn't as big a deal as it would be for us who have never been anywhere. Um, but also, still... you know, they've been in cryosleep for God knows how many hundred years. I get a bit grouchy when I just got <laughs> yeah. up. So, like, it's... Yeah, I'm, they do. I, I, you just feel a bit flat, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Some of them do mention feeling, feeling bad, but um, there's a Solarian that you um, wake up and he just pops up and goes, all right. And he goes, Solarians aren't affected by, um, <laughs> by cryostasis Us sickness. Boys. So, yeah. And there's, there's some cool, like, the, the pilot of the Tempest is a Solarian and, and he's not quite, like, modern, but he's got that same kind of... Um, Quirkiness, and he's quite. I quite enjoyed talking to him. And the Tempest is cool as well. It's very different in design, and a little slicker, isn't it? Yeah, and it's got the, the you know captain's quarters where you can change your clothes nice. and and read your emails. Guy. And yeah, <laughs> I didn't see a fish tank actually. 
but um, I guess you have, have to put it in cryo sleep when you like it. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a whole thing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's like a big side plot. That's the reason for the open world is so you can go around collecting uh, Andromeda fish. I'd like that. <laughs> That'd be cool. But yeah, so yeah, and I'm not. I don't. I feel like I'm being negative about it, but. I didn't play it normally. I mm. Mass Effect is you sit and you get to know the characters, you play yeah. at your own pace. I had to just run past characters that I would have spent, you know, yeah, I guess if you're ages talking to. 15 hours forward, you're missing yeah. a lot of the setup and sort mm. of bonding. Yeah, so it was an unnatural yeah, way to play it, so I don't want to write it off. But but at the same time, like, if you've also played the first hour of the game, like, that is where they should be making a lot of those inroads. I and... mean, think of the first hour of, like, Mass Effect, uh, Mass Effect 2 that's cheating isn't it? we talked a bit about this didn't we yeah I think 2 had the best opening like you know mainly as returning players like seeing that ship that you that's spent so much time and being torn apart and your character being killed and then rebuilt and yeah. making the elusive man and seeing the new Normandy like all that stuff 2 amazing. and 3 gets cheat a bit because they do just get to be a bit fan service yeah because they've got an entire game to build I thought 3's in, uh, opening was a bit weak as well you're running around Earth what, you, when you're in court at the yeah. start no, the the actual mission where the Reapers invade and you're running oh, yeah. around with um with the the admiral and three was a bit set piece yeah, yeah wasn't you it? see the ghost boy and yeah yeah ghost boy but yeah so I I don't want to judge it too harshly but I did I feel like that first contact moment could have been so much more. I mean, maybe you after that meet an intel, I know a non-monster species, and there'll be some amazing moment. But I just feel like you, your introduction to yeah, Andromeda they, should have been a bit more special. They definitely have talked about like that wanting wanting to do the first contact sort of thing, um, in like interviews uh, yeah. before the session. So, so maybe they don't count that as first yeah, contact. Yeah, well, you, you know, first, first contact with a species, not yeah. first contact with all of the species. So there's, there, I'm sure there'll be one where you've got to do a diplomatic thing at some point. Like, it yeah. would be mad if there wasn't at least some of that. They've you, got to play yeah. up to the fact that you're an alien. Like, mm. you're an invader, you know, not an invader, but you, you're uh, the most, you can be more of an outsider. You're literally from another galaxy. They've got to really play up on that. And yeah. You, I, I do like the idea that you're. Um, uh, you, the, the, actually, no. The, to be honest, like, yeah, that we don't know if they're the only only other new alien race in there or not. They're just the only one they talked about. So well, far. there's the one that's um, they look a bit like cats. That are your companion. All right. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a new companion who I they told us not to speak about. Um, I saw him for a bit, but he's like a. Do we have to cut this out of the podcast then? No, no, no. He's okay. already been revealed. Is it? Right. Uh, he's, oh, he's got like a massive following. People are doing like really. Um, erotic fan art of him and stuff so he's out there <laughs> he's reached the erotic he's fan art stage he's reached the internet that's so but lame yeah. having a cult appeal before anyone's even played the game what if it's like Kaiden but a cat <laughs> then you won't care yeah will, well I said that about Star Wars when people were you know before The Force Awakens were out, was out people were buying BB-8 uh, toys I was like what if he's a racist oh <laughs> You don't know? What if he's a little ball of space racism? You just oh, don't know. My mate Dave bought two of those BB-8 toys and tried to like flip one on eBay, but he forgot. <laughs> he didn't sell it straight after the film came out when demand was high and ended up selling it a lot a year later. Was like, <laughs> that was a complete waste of time. <laughs> I'd be listening to yeah. this. Um, it's like special yeah. editions of games where you get like a massive plastic model of yeah, some character you like. Or the I don't house from Resi, which we, we had in the office, <laughs> and there was something wrong with the finish on it, and if you smelled the paint, it made you feel ill. So, so, so it, it was like quite a realistic Resi experience. Yeah, <laughs> so that's pretty good. Bit. As that goes, that's good. Well, so that, um, what we're basically saying is, hey, if you draw fan art on the internet, maybe the cats are space racist. Yeah. 
Okay, so just good. think about that before. <laughs> well, I, saucy uh, picks. I guess then, Andy, like, the one last thing I'll ask you about Mass Effect then um, is the planetary stuff. Do you think that's fundamentally interesting, exploring a planet in Mass Effect? And as you go over the horizon, do you see interesting things in the distance? Yeah. How I, much hinterlands are in Mass Effect? Yeah, it really reminded me of the hinterlands. Ooh. And I only saw a little, you know, I saw a relatively small part of the planet, but it was just a lot of, like, quite boring fields and mountains that didn't look quite natural. It looked a bit... And, and occasionally there were just enemies or like big dinosaurs running around that would just sort of attack you for no reason. Oh, and, I just, and I just drove past them. I was like, I'm not standing in Interlands in space. Yeah. But that, that's get... just one corner of a planet, though. So Yeah. Did you get to do any of like the side missions and things? Because one of the things I was told in an interview was that, oh, you know, we've learned a lot from The Witcher 3. Yeah. And that's a big influence for our writing in terms of side quests and design. Yeah, no, I only did main story okay. missions, which were, you know, which were... Were decent. I don't. But, I don't yeah, they're the, the details, bits, but, yeah. I mean, they were the best bits of Inquisition with the main mission. Yeah. that's where they really sort of brought in a lot of. Yeah, the... I had a lot of side quests, but I just went. I just don't have time to. Yeah. yeah, it's it's probably a gigantic game. I mean, I I did read a thing. I may have misread this, but I pretty certain it said that like there was one planet that was bigger than all of Inquisition's environments put together. No, that's 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 bad. Don't do that. Yeah, they did say that actually when I was Holy there. Holy shit, that's too much. That's true. One yeah. planet is bigger than all of Inquisition put together. I'm that's sure, that's what things. they said. That's what I that's read like on. What? I think but, I read it yeah. on the yeah, Viva website today. Yeah, maybe ten or twelve hinterlands big. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna give it the benefit of the doubt for now because we, yeah. we will all play it. Um, and I'm sure oh yeah, I'm, I'm still sure we'll looking forward yeah. to playing it just because it's Mass Effect and it's sci-fi and it's an RPG. That's enough to make me want to exactly. Play it. And part of me th- even thinks, do we even deserve a Mass Effect in 2017? I'm not sure we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. it's a very strange way to look at consumer entertainment. <laughs> Okay then, so um, moving on to another game that you've been playing, Andy, unless you want mm. me to give you a break, is your voice uh, tired or whatever? No, no, it's cool. <laughs> so, people don't do this on regular podcasts, do they? Um, <laughs> Night in the Woods, which I actually called Into the Woods, which is uh, a Meryl yeah. Street film. Um, <laughs> but uh, you've been playing this. This has suddenly arrived on a wave of height, this kind of this indie game that is about, I don't know, animals and jumpers and, slightly, <laughs> yeah. and weird Twitter humour. I may be wrong about that. Yeah, that's address. the fact that you're kind of put off by the aesthetic of this game. It just like all the, all the screenshots people have been sharing of it it just makes it look so sort of like uh oh, just so forced quirky i was mean that in san francisco no <laughs> oh, okay. yeah no I, I wouldn't say it was forced quirky at all but i can see why you'd think that looking at the screenshots okay interesting because people are plucking out like quirky little chunks of dialogue yeah, but yeah. um it's it is brilliant like i've played four hours uh four hours of it now um and I, I'd n- I didn't know what it was at all. I went in completely blind and was expecting like something a bit annoying and saccharine and quirky, but uh, like and self-consciously quirky. But it's actually really good. Um, the the exploring and moving around. Um, you basically you're a character who who's a cat, but it doesn't. No one really acknowledges that you're a cat. You're just a cat. Has anyone drawn a fan out of this guy? No. No. You're a girl called May. And you're a cat, and it doesn't matter that you're a cat. But you, you, you've quit college and you've returned home. So you go back to live with your parents, and you meet up with all your old friends who are all still there and working in like you know, doing menial jobs. And it's just about you reconnecting with with your past. Um, but you explore the town, kind of. It's kind of open, and it's very like the stick of truth. You know, when you're exploring South Park, mm. it's oh, that yeah. Yeah. side on, but been able to freely explore and uh, go in buildings and stuff like that. Um, and it is it really all it is is walking around and talking and the odd puzzle and the odd mini game. Um, you do band practice with your old pals and like it's a rhythm action like rock band thing. So you play the you know 
you, there's many games like that. There's some puzzles. Um, but yeah, the, the writing is really, it could have easily been like annoyingly uh, twee and self-consciously like cool, but it's actually really funny and quite uh, heartfelt and um, doesn't feel cynical at all. Like it's quite, uh, just the way you, the, you, and it avoids a lot of cliches, like your relationship with your parents is like, really nice you know it's not like you're returning home and you're you know button heads with your parents mm. like you should have you know you should have stayed in college they're just like they're, they're really funny the interactions with the parents are one of the funniest things in it when you speak to your dad and your mum each uh, each morning and each night and they're kind of supportive of your decision and they're like it, it avoids a lot of cliches of the sort of coming home and and the town as well is like basically being um destroyed by like big businesses so all the old shops that you used to love as a kid are being shut down so it's that kind of like a, a fading town thing where you're like um seeing your childhood literally being boarded up you know as you and and finding out that your friends have changed a lot and and sort of you learn more about some some people don't like you at all because of stuff you did when you were a kid mm. and it sort of drip feeds you stuff you you that may has done in our past that's actually quite sinister and at one and at one point you just find out a severed arm outside a diner and it suddenly goes a bit blue velvet you know when he finds the ear like you're in this you, yeah so you find out a severed arm and, oh, yeah, yeah. and and that's opening up some kind of mystery plot that's mm. not really revealed itself yet but damn it and you're making it sound really good yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is it's, it, and it's beautiful as well like the art style is is very distinctive but there's so much detail like even just walking around and like leaves swirling around your feet when you walk past and startling cats jumping out of trash cans and like uh, people hanging out of the windows and shaking their fist at you when you're causing trouble and like there's just tons of intricate little details and it's all got that sort of handmade South Park look but like a lot more refined looking than South Park um, yeah it's a, it's a weird game I don't know where it's going yet the story mm. Mm. I'm just I'm just enjoying just existing in this little town and getting to know the characters and there's a character called Greg who's like a fox who run who works in the um uh, the quickie bar or whatever it is and he's like really funny like genuinely one of the like he, he actually I've seen fan art of him already okay, uh, okay. and he's he's a really cool character and yeah it's, it's something internet yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, there's a big fan I tweeted like a screenshot of it today and I noticed that tons of the people retweeting it had like avatars from the game it's got like a and that last time that happened was Life is Strange when I made a video about that right, yeah. and I got tons of retweets from people with like max avatars so it's one of those games that's like I, got a tumblr fandom yeah latched on like undertale it. yeah yeah like undertale so but yeah no I, I i don't fully know where it's going yet i mm. think what I, the the gist of my review but will be how where it goes and how it ties all this stuff up and i get the feeling it will never mention that arm again i wonder if it's like well, to trick you into thinking gag. it's like here it's going to be a you know people mentioned i've mentioned it a few times since but it's, it makes makes you think oh it's going to be like a murder mystery but it just leaves it like interesting that you mentioned like the mystery aspects of whatever because um they did a prologue thing. It actually wasn't even really a prologue. It was like a side story. It was like a ghost tale being told within that universe. This was a couple of years ago. They released. Mm. It's called Lost Constellation. Yeah. Uh, it's a really that was a really sort of interesting free game that you can still download now. It's like all. Uh, it's about um, a crocodile wearing a fez. Who, <laughs> uh, Obviously. Oh yeah, I mean, a character like, was talking about um, in a um, snowy forest, and yeah. it's all about like the kind of the weird forest gods of this area and that yeah. uh, so it did seem quite hard to sort of reconcile what that was about because that was quite like a you know dark and fairly surreal um, like yeah. hour or two with like 
<clears throat> Happy Fox in a Town. Yeah, I think that's. Game and... I think it starts with talking about how your granddad used to read your ghost stories. And yeah, I think I think yeah. the opening of Lost Constellation is that. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. So yeah, but that is. But the actual game itself hasn't had any paranormally mm. supernatural stuff in it. It's just been, yeah, like just sort of homecoming type stuff and quite knowing and and the occasional limp. Yeah, and, well, I mean, and the I mean, missing that happens in Bath anyway. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, they it find does, three yeah. feet. <laughs> And Bath, they did, yeah. I don't think they ever concluded who who they belong to. Either. No, yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, yeah. So maybe the only moral is sometimes limbs are in places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, contextless, yeah. context-free limbs. So this isn't like a definitely play this recommendation because I haven't finished it yet and I don't know where it's going. But I think after I finish it, I'll probably will heartily recommend it. And mm. um, yeah, it's just a, an interesting game, and it's been like three or four years in the making, and it feels really polished and and sort of lavish production values you know a glance at a screenshot it might, it might look quite cheap but it feels like a game that's been worked on for a long time and it's got like a really good roguelike in it just as a mini game where you go on your laptop and you can uh, talk to your friends on Instant Messenger and there's like an icon for a, a game called Tower something are games in their universe wacky humans dressed in <laughs> no, people clothes. you're a cat actually okay and it's like a top down almost like Hyperlight Drifter and it's surprisingly good like if they released it on its own you'd think this was a passable like roguelike with mm. a good like um, sort of combat system built into it which is weird and you can just dip in and out of that whenever you want and it saves your progress um, which I was really surprised to find like how much work you'd get into this throwaway yeah. um, unless the game later goes you've got to get to a certain level you know m- makes you play it but um, yeah and it's yeah, it's an interesting game it's the kind of thing I like reviewing because it's quite a challenge and it will take a bit of working out to figure out if it's worth Recommending to most, how much is it? Yeah, um, I sixty. I think it's like sixteen forty nine, yeah. something like that. Oh, I was yeah. going to buy it off Humble because you know they do that thing where you, you can put money into your wallet or give it to charity. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't make a decision on that front, so I just didn't buy it in the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was it's a proper Paragon and Renegade yeah, moment. Yeah. Yeah. If you like, it's it's. Did you were you the one that played Oxenfree and realised that it was really good? Yeah, yeah, I didn't realise, but yeah, my a friend mean, of mine. Had been, yeah, yeah. there was about a year of people in future telling you to play Oxenfree, and then. You... <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah it's a bit. There's a, a bit of a hint of oxen free about it. Um, not an art, an art style or even story, but just in the the you dialogue. Have to the same environments over and over again. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I did like oxen free, but I got a bit bored of that yeah. by the end. The, um, this is like one town, and I think it does. Op- Actually, I just opened up a whole new area, and you can start going up higher up on the power lines and stuff. Right. You can run around on power lines like tight ropes to get higher up to the cool. the rooftops of the town. There's like more characters up there and stuff. So yeah. South Park's a really good way of explaining how the town now. Yeah, it really works does fit it reminds me of that, but with less um less forward to its humor section. <laughs> okay, good oh. Well that's uh, that sounds good Andy. There'll be a review of that on the website on Monday and uh, I think I'm going to buy it off the back of what you just told me then. Because uh, that sounds good, and we get paid next week. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, Phil, you've been playing Shadow Tactics, yeah, um, which Blades has of the, the Shogun, Shogun, yes, uh, which came out to BC last year, uh, and uh, kind of was inspired by the Commando series. That sort of like um, turn-based sort of not turn-based. No, it's like uh, it's all real time, but quite hardcore. But but it's got that kind of isometric style camera even though you can rotate it around so it's not technically oh yeah that's right commando commandos wasn't um turn-based it's just really hard yeah yeah it was was pre-rendered so you can spin the camera around yeah Yeah. exactly um and commandos was largely hard because you it wasn't turn-based so it's really hard to sort of set up things and 
Shadow Texas has a lot of the same um, stuff going on about it. Like it is, it is deliberately a very difficult stealth game and quite a pure stealth game where just getting seen at all is big trouble and probably means a restart. And the way they mitigate that is kind of. I, I want to say with the quick save system, but the quick save system is just that you can quick save. Uh, they don't do anything particularly special with it. Um, uh, the first I really saw of people getting into it was like, uh, I think Jodie McGregor did on PCGamer.com like a, a little um, piece for us going on about how good quick saving was in this game. Yeah. And um, I didn't read that piece, but I did look at the headline and think that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> I won't read on yeah. despite working for the outlet in question <laughs> I, I've prejudged your take to be strange uh, but having like play I'm only like three or four levels in but no he's entirely right like um, it, it feels like a stealth game that's been designed for the way I play stealth games which is to say infuriatingly and uh, reloading every time I get spotted um, I, I'll do that with Dishonored like Arcane spend all this time putting all these amazing ways to murder people in like very creative and enjoyable systems and it's just like oh no I'm spotted, boom, F8 let's do this again, let's crouch a bit longer before I slowly make my way over there um, in this there is actually a timer that shows when you last quick saved and it changes colour based on how long it's been so it's basically once it's gone yellow and red they're like come on now what are you doing you are gonna fuck this up any actually minute. encourages you yeah, to save like, actually you've got to save now <laughs> that's interesting um so like I mean, they know the sort of game they make and they know how the people who like these sort of games tend to play them so they're just leading into it and that's, it's like look yeah. We, yeah we know you are going to save scum as people call it which is really a stupid term for yeah I just, use that ironically yeah. by the way because I I'm a save and restarter yeah, proudly it's like, yeah, so it's it's just what the save function of a game is <laughs> yeah. not, you can I'll, yeah, I'll it's be like, dead in 20 to 40 years <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, yeah I want games to respect my time thank you yeah, the yeah. idea that you, uh, other people can govern how you play a game is really annoying like, oh, I can't believe you completed Dark Souls by you know calling in co-op help for the bosses it's like well that's how I wanted yeah. to play it so uh, I want to choose to use my free time. If you look at this receipt here where I spent £40 on this game, uh, <laughs> yeah. I invite you to go and swivel. <laughs> uh, well, that's... Uh, okay, cool. So, um, yeah. Uh, someone should write an article about that same Someone should, Yeah, someone should really write an article <laughs> praising it. <laughs> I would read that in a flash. <laughs> uh, we did end up reviewing it quite uh, quite belated reviews. It, yeah, it was a bit yeah. belated. And um, it was Fraser Brown who uh, reviewed it and he gave it like low 90s yeah uh the low part of 90s meaning that is yeah one of the best games of the year apparently yeah um yeah. And i'm really enjoying it like the um it is just you, you put in this scenario and you're given an objective and to, to complete your objective you have to make your way through a sort of semi-linear path um through a lot of guards all looking in various directions and you've got ways of telling who can see you at any one time um there's a whole like you can get yourself into safety quite easily there's like a crouch system where the, the guards can't see through um if you're crouched behind a bush the guards can't see through the bush to you so mm -hmm. you, you know you, you can find little areas to sort of stop and plan things out um get into position and you can actually at the moment i'm at the point where i can control like two or three characters anyone mission i don't think i've even met like the full roster just yet 
but you can put them into position and actually use a thing called shadow mode to queue up an order that everyone will perform at the same time right. when you press enter to execute it. So even if there are like three guards looking at each other, you can you know make sure everyone's ta everyone takes one guard. You hit enter and they take them out simultaneously, and that's like a really kind of good feeling. It's like uh, it's like that thing in um, the films that they do. Where they're like, <laughs> oh, you take the one on the left, I'll take the one on the right. Three, yes. two, one, go down. Yeah, it's professional. Cool. Nice. That sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. Like, I don't have anything you say at the moment. Like, the range of abilities are quite good. Um, nothing too overwhelming. Like, there's one character who can lay down some traps, which has lots of uses, and there's another who is um, has a grappling hook, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So Always. that does sound a lot like commandos in terms yeah. of like yeah you have a guy who can yeah do everyone's kind of got one specialty and they're sort of built for purpose like that like there's uh, one guy who's just a big beefy guy and he can carry two bodies to hide them and you know do heavy lifting um, the other one is fast the other one is small and <laughs> doesn't want to have a dog as well uh, one has a dog and a sniper rifle cool and well those are two good things to own yeah in my exactly experience. Yeah. probably he's, he's got to be good um, <laughs> yeah uh, and like. Uh, it's, it's nice to be able to sort of call upon these like uh, these extra abilities and go, oh, actually, this will fit in nicely, but not like have a character that has five abilities each, and you're like, I actually can't quite keep in my head all the possibility space there. So okay. it, it just feels nicely judged. Good stuff, good stuff. Mm. What I'm going to do then, Phil, is I'm going to get you talking about Dead Cells, and I'm going to nip to the bathroom okay. in this podcast. Uh, you have to be quick, because I don't have loads to say about Dead <clears throat> That's Cells. That's okay, it's, uh, it's, it's a number one. We're all good. Um, no. So, <laughs> so uh, talk, talk about Dead Cells, Phil. Okay. Um, I'm just recovering from that slightly. Uh, so Dead Cells was one of the games we got at the PC Gamer Weekender, um, which was last weekend. Uh, it was based on the art style, uh, Tom Marks asked me, oh, what do you think that's going to be? I've never heard of it. And I said, it's either going to be a top-down Hyperlight Drifter-style roguelike with Dark Souls-y style co combat, or it's going to be a side-scrolling um, sort of roguelike with Dark Souls-y combat. And it's the latter. It's a side-scrolling thing. Um, you are like a collection of... You seem to be a collection of cells that can reanimate this dead body. It's just like a whenever you die you sort of flop down and go to a skeleton and seem to climb up his anus <laughs> I don't know if that's like a deliberate position or uh, and then you sort of animate this body and you know pick up some weapons and then you go off through a dungeon killing enemies and picking up loot and doing the roguelike things and it looks really nice like the art style you know it's a side-scrolling pixel game mm. but quite like one of those pixel games that's quite high fidelity and they've really yeah. sort of there's a lot of work has gone into each of those characters and it, um, I'm trying to think of I mean a bit a bit like in Hyperlight Drifter's cutscenes I guess um, yeah where it's I mean perhaps not quite that detailed but you know you know it looks good yeah um, it's and not the, simple like 8 bit ness yeah exactly it's, it's using pixels to create to create like this yeah proper aesthetic yeah. that is quite easy on the eye um yeah, it's it, it's one to look out for. Like, I'm interested to see how the combat develops. It's not it's not really that Dark Soulsy. I mean, you do, you've got a sword and a shield, and you know you've only got so much health, so you do have to remember to block and do these things. Yeah. But it is very much kind of they're winding up to that attack. You need to make sure that you get the timing right for the block and then to counter attack and that sort of thing. Um, 
which is all it really takes to be called Dark Souls in yeah. these days. Like, and then if you die, you crawl up a skeleton's bum hole mm. and start again. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, but you're just in the room, and it seems to be the same skeleton or uh, dead person every time. Yeah, I didn't because I was just playing hands on an event. I didn't really get time to judge the story, or there seems to be a whole like mutation upgrade tree, which sounds quite interesting, but I don't entirely know how that works. Yeah. Um, but they do some interesting things with the loot as well. Obviously, you get new weapons and things like that. But they also have curse chests, where it's like you deliberately take on a curse for the chance of getting some better loot. And um, the one I got like just in- seems to increase my damage unless I, uh, and that would last until I killed ten enemies. Um, and like the first enemy I met. It- just mullered me, so yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to see how that would resolve itself. And it's called but Dead Cells. Dead Cells, yeah. Because Dead Cell was the terrorist grip in Metal Gear Solid 2. It was, yes. Sons of Liberty. Jeez. That's what I, that's made me think of. Yeah. Like Fat, fat Man. Maybe Fat Man's vamp. the end boss. Yeah. Mm. Is that, uh, are you done talking about Dead Cells in film? Pretty much, yeah. It's a indie combat game that could be good. It's cool. It's worth keeping an eye out. It was, like, it was one of the more sort of striking things that was at the PC Game of Weekend, just based on its art style alone. Yes. I would say on the same note, I played Knights and Bikes at the weekend. Oh, yeah. Actually, um, I did look good. I'll talk about that very briefly but like it was a this is like a a a co-op or single player game where it's these two friends these two girls and you pick one or the other and then you uh you basically just go around this town doing it's a bit like the lego games like you're smashing things up fighting enemies kind of exploring and Mm. then you meet these kind of slightly oddball characters and so the style of it is very very little big planet so i don't know if you people listening have played that but um uh playstation make your own uh, kind of like it's quite it's quite it's not quirky mm. Stephen Fry was the narrator yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's made of like fabric and yeah. stuff with wool and it's very like crafty yeah, like, yeah. And it was sort of like it's not it's it's not quite like that it reminded me a bit more of like Costume Quest on that uh, sort of yeah. scale oh, okay. and they do have the same publisher Double Fine yeah. um, but like um, it was it, there's definitely the kind of like the tone of it was very Little Big Planet, and you definitely feel like it's from that lineage of media molecule games, okay. um, which goes back someone? to Lionhead. I guess where that's where all of those guys came from. What's that? Is it being made someone from someone? Yes, that's right. right. Okay. I think both both of them worked at Media Molecule. One worked on one left recently and worked on Tearaway, and one mm. of them worked on the original Little Big Planet. So, okay. yeah, and it's 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 really neat. And then like, um, yeah, there's 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 some kind of. Uh, story going on but it's more about the kind of friendship of the two characters and there'll be these bits where you both compete to like grab as many of these things as possible within a certain time limit and those are just kind of like quite frivolous challenges but they're basically there to suggest that like kids are very competitive even when they're friends and it's quite nicely done and yeah it's uh yeah very pleasant i would say so i played that um and the last thing i'll talk about today is dawn of war 3 um, which uh, we've talked about this bit of the game on the podcast before. It's the thing that Tom Senior saw when he first saw the game exclusively for us last year. Um, but it's uh, it was on display at the PC Gamer Weekender. I think you played it too, Phil. I did. It's a good, chunky, like almost hour-long mission. Um, it's a lengthy mission. Like, I just had to give up because I had things to do. <laughs> I had to I... beat Tom at Overwatch. <laughs> I did finish it actually. It was um, yeah. You basically just take these points from the Eldar, and then you go to the put bit at the end of the ba- yeah, uh, bit at the end of the map. Slowly working your way to two like warp gates that you've got to destroy. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I think like there's been some general impression that it's going to be slightly mobery this time or something like that. Yeah. But it really is as close to a classic RTS yeah, as you could hope it for. It's pretty RTS. Like there's base building. There's there's all the RTS things, but I, also you've got like you do have like the big. Um, 
hero the, units. Yeah, the hero yeah. units from Dawn of War Two, but they're just sort of mixed in with your your regular boys. Yeah, and they they and that's a, it's a great principle because you've got this giant robot thing that can do these mm. sort of radius airstrike attacks and do this kind of Gatling gun wave attack and all this stuff she and then just destroys everything basically yeah basically yeah and uh and let although although mine did get destroyed in the very closing seconds of the oh. mission but just as i'd activated the end cutscene, so it didn't count, ah, that doesn't count yeah but um <laughs> really really good if you want a, like a, a lavish um classic style rts it really is like that it's very similar to the first one in fact i'd almost say it's like exactly like the first one but with more units on screen um looks better obviously and the hero unit stuff other than that it's more or less the same mm. game, which yeah, I've got no problem with. Some really nice map design as well. Like, uh, I mean, visually more than uh, like a, a level layout, that was fine. But like, you've got these sort of statues just embedded in the ice and stuff that you walk. Yeah, over. yeah. It's just really nice visual flourishes throughout. The animations are lovely, zooming mm. in and watching. You know, howling banshees do their thing or whatever. But um, yes, that's going to be excellent. I'm, I'm almost certain yeah, of it. To that. Um, so that's good. Um, okay, cool. I'm going to transition into uh, transition into questions uh, now. Um, these are all from our Discord channel. Phil, if you'd like to join our a Discord community, where can people go? Uh, Discord.gg slash PCGamer. Yes, um, we have a growing community there, and that's where we take all of our questions from now. We'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast. We've had very nice feedback so far. Mm. Alternatively, you can leave an iTunes review, but then you don't get to talk to us, and what fun is that? Um, okay, then, cool. Well, do leave an iTunes review. I'm going to care about that again for a few weeks because <laughs> I checked for the first time in months and we hadn't had a single one since the last time I badgered people to leave an iTunes review. No, so. and we have been top 20 again on there recently, so it's like, um, yeah. You've... We've been slightly better about releasing <clears throat> episodes. Yeah, I mean, slightly better, yes. Slightly, that's, the, that's the way to put it. Slightly better. We missed one last week, but, okay. you know. <laughs> it was deadline and the weekend. Um, okay, cool. Um, who are your favourite video game writers? That's from Rhonda. That's more people who write video games as opposed to people who... Uh, you know, about. monkeys who write about them like us yeah. but yeah um, which I sort of like couldn't quite answer I think he means like yeah. you know Chris Avalone or whatever but yeah, I was gonna that's the obvious answer but I mean he writes he writes good word does Chris Avalone so yeah, yeah. I mean I, I'm always happy when I when I play one of his a game that he's written in yeah. terms of finding the right <laughs> yeah well especially now, what was someone I think Richard Colbert described him as a what was it, a human Kickstarter stretch goal? He is the human stretch goal, yeah. <laughs> I believe, uh, I, th- I think it was Pip War coined that, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Pip. Oh, no, she did it in, like, um, it was like a Kickstarter drinking games thing, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty good. But, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's like, it's it's hard to pin an individual to, I mean, most games yeah. have two writers, don't they? Like, or at least mm, yeah. a main writer and I a mean, team. Of... Most games have a team and you don't yeah. ever actually know who the... I, I guess then, like, if we, I mean, we've, We've, we could talk about the best uh, favorite written games, I guess. Like, yeah. FTL's a good example. There's like one guy who wrote that, and I can't remember his name, but he worked on Driver San Francisco. We talked about him a podcast oh, before. Oh, uh, Tom Schubert. Yes, that's right. He yeah. wrote FTL. Yeah, he's actually, good, because he was uh, involved in uh, the Talos Principle with Jonas. I'm not even going to attempt his second name, <laughs> I can't remember. A man called Jonas. A man yes. called Jonas, who did an adventure game called The Sea Will Claim and Everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah um, Talos Principle's... The story stuff on the computer consoles and that is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good yeah. sort of stuff in that. We, did, we mean, did a feature, actually. If you search Google for PC Gamer Best Writing in Games, you yeah. can find a, a long oh, feature I wrote about exactly this. That's, That's true. The yeah. one thing about the Talos Principle, and Chris pointed this out when he reviewed it like all that time ago, is that because it's a puzzle game and because the writing is also very dense and convoluted and you've got to think about that, it's an exhausting thing to play. Yeah. Like, at least Portal lets you laugh at a fat joke. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I'd say Paul's got probably the uh, Paul two particularly has some excellent writing. I, I mean, yeah, yeah uh, like I guess Eric uh, Walpow and um, Jade and the you know the old man Murray guys who went to Valve and yeah. wrote things like Portal and um, have obviously been involved in the writing of TF 2s sort of ancillary stuff. Yeah, uh, the comics and the <coughs> short videos and that. Yeah. That's yeah, just all been great. Yeah. Well, yeah. recent um, examples. I'm playing Tides of Numenera at the moment. I know Chris Thurston reviewed for us. It is embargoed. Yeah. Well, yeah. based on uh, this is based on having played the alpha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. The writing in that <laughs> very good. The writing in that writing is incredibly in that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a very well written game, and it's it could have easily been so overstuffed with um, weird tech terminology because it's set a billion years in the future, but it. It's really evocative writing and funny as well, and it does a great job of like making you understand the weirdest things imaginable. Mm. And the dialogue's great, and the amount of uh, options to get away for a conversation is very good as well. Which I say based and purely on playing the alpha version. Yep, and and nothing else. So we wouldn't even know anyway. So you know, leave us yep. alone, lawyers. <laughs> okay, cool. Can't touch us. <laughs> yeah, check out that feature for uh, I think twenty games we chose based on. The writing based on the word chops. Yeah. Okay. This is long, and for some reason, half the li- half the line is cut out. So I may have trouble reading it, but we'll see. Which game do you like the idea of playing, such having access to, but in reality you find it intermin- interminably boring? Or maybe you used to love the game and now just have it on your hard drive because of a comforting habit, kind of like a pretentious coffee table book for your desktop. You like the idea of it being there, but you'll never actually touch it again. For me, it's original Half Life. The desktop icon is aesthetically pleasing. Always installed on every machine I can. Haven't played it for about eight years. That was from Enbra. Eastern. Um, well, I guess I I sort of hit a <coughs> brick wall with Eve Online. I played like 150 hours of that, and now I just occasionally install it. And I think it's been on my PC for a while now, and I just can't bring myself to go back to it mm. after just having exhausted all the things I wanted out of it. Yeah. Even though I, I reached a point where to continue really enjoying it, I had to start joining corporations and doing stuff out in the dangerous parts of space. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I sort of stopped playing it. But I think every every year. Um, when I go to Eve FanFest, I come back and play it again because you yeah. get filled with that, like, oh, I've got to play Eve again. And then I drift away again inevitably. So, um, yeah, that's one that I had loved for a long time and can't quite bring myself to go back to. I, I keep meaning to play Alpha Centauri and I've had it on my laptop for four mm. years and I don't think I'm ever going to play it. <laughs> and like, everyone tells me, oh, but the flavor text is so good, it's better written than entire games, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure that's true, but I, I can't can't be bothered it's like i just i'm gonna play resi for a while <laughs> um I, I keep meaning to man but, can't yeah. live on flavor text alone <laughs> i'm sure i'll enjoy it because i enjoy you know civ and everyone tells me that's like one of the best variants of civ mm. so um one day i will but um i don't find it terminally boring i just haven't found the time phil yeah, any yeah, yeah. any answer to that? um i guess in terms of like just having it on my desktop and it, it being there despite the fact that I will never play it again. Dose two is I don't know why I haven't uninstalled it, but I haven't. It's it's there. You know, just in case I ever take up that pro career and become really good and as soon as we finished that training for a feature I, I took great glee in me wiping yeah. it from my computer. <laughs> also, I mean get it you're gonna have to install about probably about sixty gig of Mass Effect soon, so get it off your hard drive Phil. Yeah, I probably should. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got a few like uh, plenty of old games as well. I was trying to think if like Deus Ex is one. We're like, am I ever going to go back to the original Deus Ex, or do I just keep it around because I like the idea? Yeah, you should Deus go back. Ex. I went back recently for a reinstall, and I I still enjoyed it. But yeah, 
yeah. maybe just for a bit, for like an hour. Yeah, maybe I just need to play the Statue of Liberty. <clears> you're not going to get to Area 51 again. That will never happen. That's God. like 40 hours in. He's got that kind of time. <laughs> yeah, it's also that. Uh, yeah, that first level is kind of does just about everything that you need from it anyway i've played that first level a lot of times yeah. and the subsequent levels only once or twice so yeah when you um, get to hong kong and then you go in the, into the versa life building from that point on it gets quite um hard to i don't know it just gets a lot more less fun <laughs> still good but like a bit less just Think, play it until a greasel turns up then... <laughs> yeah yeah, Hong Kong and New York are like the best parts of that game afterwards. I mean, like Paris is a bit half-baked. It is a bit, yeah. yeah. Every Deus Ex game needs a bit where it like hideously drops off, you know. <laughs> whether, whether it's like the last bit of uh, uh, Human Revolution or um, the entirety of Invisible War. <laughs> Sorry, that's mean. Um, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, then. Are there any um, games that the PCG staff... Or maybe I've actually... Maybe I asked this one last week, actually. Maybe I did. Yeah, okay. Um, let's go to this one instead. What percentage of new games that you play do you end up reviewing for the mag? Can you ever just switch off and play a new release knowing you won't have to opine about it? That's from Fluid Druid. Um, well, it's quite in- enjoyable that sometimes where you know a big game's coming up and I oft- you'll feel relieved that you don't have to review it because you know that you can just, there won't be any time limit. You yeah, can just so, yeah, Mass Effect. Af- yeah, after doing, because I reviewed <clears throat> Dragon Age Inquisition and I reviewed it on quite a tight magazine deadline. And Fallout. Uh, and it's over Fallout, but like specifically the idea of actually taking my time with the next Bioware RPG is quite, yeah. And I'm sure, like, you do still think about it critically or whatever. You're like, um, at some point, someone's going to need a hot take out of me. Like, mm. we'll talk about it on the podcast. I'm going to need to have things to say about it. Oh, yeah, it you can't just switch off. Your, no. I mean, you're always, whenever I'm playing a game, I'm always thinking about how I would translate these thoughts into words. It just comes with a comes with the territory it's actually easier to do with console games i guess because yeah like final fantasy 15 i just like hanging out with my boys i don't need to have any thoughts i'll never write about this i'll never have a hot take about this yeah i probably will at some point but i can just do why i love hanging with my boys (laughs) yeah i felt that i felt actually i will say i felt that way about um final fantasy 15 it's because it's not on pc there's no burden to have an opinion yeah it's because it's not on pc and it's also kind of quite shoddy in a lot of places so you're just like well hey 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 it is it is yeah i don't need to analyze this to the point of i mean yeah sure the second half of the game is blatantly unfinished (laughs) (laughs) and the combat system while uh showy is a bit superficial but highly confusing (laughs) yeah stop having opinions about a game you don't have to i'm still quite happy to enjoy it you're breaking the whole into a car you can turn on the Turn on the soundtrack to Final Fantasy Seven. Just hang with you boys. I remember the first when I first started writing about games. I and I don't review games anymore really because I'm doing boring admin stuff generally instead. Um, uh, you know um, that's not true. It's fun admin stuff, but hey. Uh, <laughs> um, but I remember like it actually being quite hard to enjoy playing games after reviewing them. And I and boohoo, it's a good job obviously to have. But um, I, eventually, I kind of broke through that, and you do get to the point where I think where you can separate the two and you just enjoy playing them and it's fine it's not really a big deal yeah 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 fair enough i I mean i do tend to have a break after i've reviewed a thing like it it was i spent a good few months not playing overwatch after i reviewed that because it was just like i've i need a bit of distance yeah intense 10 hour a day sessions and now i can go back I said conversely well i reviewed i've only reviewed a few games on pcg but mgs5 i ended up loving more after i wrote the review Mm. where i basically just got to the end of the story and uh, and then yeah and then I kept playing 
and, and I've I've now paid over double what I paid for review, and I probably give it a higher score based on that, only by like a point or two. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, that didn't put me off certainly. Okay, cool. This question I can't tell is ironic or not, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, oh, ye. I was going to ask this earlier, but what are some of your favorite gaming snacks slash foods? There's four exclams. That's from S Stickman, which makes me think it's probably ironic. But... Yeah. S Stickman. Let's think. answer it seriously, though. Too. SSDs. So yeah, let's answer it seriously to stick it to him. <laughs> if he is in fact being ironic, if he's not, it gets an answer. Everyone wins. Earnest, earnest. I, I don't snack eat chat. when I'm playing games. I, I drink the beers when I'm playing games on a weekend, oh. which I. Find which I take great pleasure. Where'd you in. get your beers from, Andy? Did you go to Independent Spirit. I go. Yeah, there's a place in Bath called the Independent Spirit that has a f- massive selection mm. of uh, wanky beers. I, well, hey, great beers. Yeah, great beers. If you want a chocolate flavor beer, that's where you, you go. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm more so. of a standard um, pale ale man, and I'll go to yeah, Marks and Spencer's, nice and yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll buy four that. luxury pale ales and sit down and play a game on a weekend, and that's one of my greatest pleasures in life. <laughs> that's only like eight quid or something. They're, yeah. not, they're not that luxury, like luxurious. It's like a five pound vanilla and chocolate stout in. Um, <laughs> Independent spirit. I literally buy two of every single week. So, uh, yeah. Um, at least I will until I'm bankrupt. Yeah. Anyway, I don't. Yeah, I don't really find eating halloumi. Do eat halloumi when you- yeah, I eat halloumi when I'm not playing games. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. Like if I've got if I if I just happen to have a six pack of uh, Emmental and Emmental meat sticks <laughs> from Waitrose in the house, then I might yeah. have one or two of them. During a sesh, yeah, yeah, or a big packet of uh, crisps on Waitrose. These oh, are the yeah, things, yeah. you know. Yeah, bag of Haribo Some sometimes, I guess. Chips. Yeah, ideally you don't want something that's going to get like um, dust all over your you. your hardware. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's the lamest thing I've ever said. <laughs> of your gaming <laughs> keyboard. Yeah, ooh, I got cheese flavoring on my yeah. uh, on my Razer yeah. Mamba Chroma or whatever. So if that was a serious question, you got a serious answer. If it wasn't, we beat you. <laughs> By he's, not rising to the irony, yeah, we win. He's he's quite a, a loyal, nice uh, listener, actually. So uh, I apologise on Andy's behalf. <laughs> um, um, that's I'll probably leave it there. Actually, should we leave it there? Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Yeah, the day's more or less over. Be. Then we've got some we've got some good pods there. Good pods. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, we'll be back on next week to talk about um, uh, Ties of Numenera more. I think. Yeah, we can yeah. about the finished up. version of the game. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing about that, and also we'll have Chris Thurston on here. Who is leaving PC Gamer? But he's a long-term, long-time uh, writer and editor for us, and uh, chances are a lot of people listening to this know who he is. So yes, we'll do that, and mm-hmm. all will be well. I'll, and I may play something and talk about it. I yes. mean, think of that. You could try. Yeah. I won't be here, so uh, I guess the episode will only go up if you can figure out how to publish podcasts. Hey, I can. I can do that. Uh, I will. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I understand sixty percent of the process, so it's all good. Uh, yes, we'll be back next week. Thank you very much. 